Bing bong. I am back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast, where I am joined by the founder of Oshi, Michael Atwood. And we get into his orange pill story, how he found Bitcoin, Oshi, and the Oshi app, the mission behind Oshi of bringing Bitcoin to businesses, and how plebs can also profit a little bit themselves by helping onboard businesses using the Oshi app. And so, plebs out there, this is a call to action. Get on the Oshi app and start onboarding those businesses. And then we get into six current event stories. The use of the Lightning Network has grown 150% in a year. We get into that. Binance removing fees to purchase Bitcoin. Members of Congress writing a letter to the EPA detailing the benefits of Bitcoin mining. ProShares receiving approval for their first short Bitcoin ETF. The University of Cincinnati launching Bitcoin curriculum. And the third largest oil producer in Russia is now using that flare gas to mine Bitcoin. And as always, plebs, this is not, not, not financial advice. So anything that you hear in this is strictly our opinion and should be taken as such and not as financial advice. Now, let's get into the episode with Michael Atwood, the founder of Oshi. Whoosh. Bing bong. I am live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. Before we get started, I want to give a special shout out to my node. My node is the easiest way to buy and set or to buy um, a Bitcoin node and run it uh, on your internet and everything like that. And they've had they've allowed me to set up a Bitcoin node for podcasting 2.0. So if you're interested in streaming me stats or anything of that nature, feel free to do that on uh, Breeze or Fountain or anything else. But now let's get into it. I have a very, very special guest in the waiting room down here. His name is Michael Atwood, creator of Oshi. Michael, how are we doing tonight? Doing great, man. How are you, Brandon? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So, um, yeah, let's let's get right into it. So, um, tell us a little bit about yourself like, and uh, tell us your orange pill story. Yeah, um, I'm just a Bitcoiner. <laughs> I got into Bitcoin back in uh, 2017. I had no idea what the hell was going on. Um, I was just chasing chasing gains. I came in to make money and I stayed for the hardest money ever known to man. So by 2018, I was um, kind of diving deep down into the rabbit hole. What really sent me past the point of no return with that was I was actually... Um, I was backpacking in Patagonia. <laughs> this sounds so fake, but I was backpacking in Patagonia and I was listening to Atlas Shrugged on audiobook. Um, so I actually finished up Atlas Shrugged during that backpack trip. And then a few, uh, it's like, I guess a few months later, I was backpacking in Yosemite and was listening to the Bitcoin standard. Uh, so I, that's just something I like to do. So I got the one, two knockout punch. And from there, I was like, everything else is shit. It's just Bitcoin. And, uh, yeah, started, started looking for ways to contribute. <laughs> That's awesome, man. You're the second person in a row. So I've, I've, I asked this question just generally to start off just to get, you know, things started. And you're the second person in a row that has said that they were traveling abroad or, you know, backpacking or something along those lines. And that's how they kind of had the aha moment in Bitcoin. So um, I guess, tell tell me a little bit about that. Like, did, do you like enjoy just being on the outdoors? Does it kind of help you, uh, you know, think a little bit, get, get a little clearer? Like, was that, uh, you know, is that something that you generally do? Or, you know, was this kind of just a special trip and, uh, you know, and, and you were just throwing on some podcasts? Yeah, you know, I, um, I've always I, I enjoy hiking a lot. Um, I enjoy the challenge, uh, one foot in front of the other. And you know, whenever you're hiking, especially if it's at altitude, and it's challenging, you know, sometimes there there's a lot of, um, you know, it's very therapeutic to like put yourself through that. <laughs> like again, one foot for the other, like it's hard, it's difficult, you're huffing and puffing. And um so yeah, I I oftentimes like I love it. Um and what I found is what I really like is while I'm kind of in that state <laughs> where I'm like super relaxed and chill, I like to just listen to, you know, various uh, you know, podcasts or or audiobooks and stuff like that. Um you know, while it's nice to just be in touch with nature and not do anything, 
I find it very relaxing to to do both at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I got you. And that, that makes perfect sense too. Cause I mean, you can kind of get lost out there and just, you know, be one with your thoughts and uh, you know, why not uh, kind of throwing on a book or a podcast or something to get your mind churning. So that's awesome stuff. So um, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I guess really it's like, it's whenever you're out in nature, especially whenever you're backpacking, you know, whenever you're plugged in, uh, in the city or whatever, not in nature, there's always so many different distractions and there's so much going on. I find that being in nature, there's a certain like level of boredom in nature, like just natural, or it feels like boredom whenever you don't have like your phone going off or, you know, you're not always consuming all this information. So I find that's whenever like the creativity gets, gets the best. And I like to leverage like whatever it is I'm learning about in that moment via audiobooks to really like channel my inner creativity and come up with all these different ideas. So uh, that's, that's kind of what I enjoy. That's awesome. Now that, that brought you to Bitcoin. So, I mean, obviously uh, it, it's done some great stuff for you and it's been, you know, life-changing it seems. So uh, I brought it up at the beginning. You have created a company called Oshi. Um, you've kind of done some big things with there. I know that you were kind of helping out with, um, uh, with Choice app, and you were, uh, you know, helping out. They did a big block party on Rainy Street in Austin, if I remember correctly. It was uh, a few months ago, and uh, yeah, so it seems like Oshi just kind of blown up on the st- uh, blown up on the scene. Uh, kind of explain, I guess, your purpose and like everything behind Oshi, and um, you know, I guess what Oshi is overall. Yeah, I mean, it, on one hand. Um... I feel like there's plenty of content out there just like talking about Bitcoin. Like there's, you know, the Breed Loves and 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 the Jeff Booths and uh, there's a million of them, right? And they're all like putting out just fantastic content, trying to decide or, or really determine like what Bitcoin actually is. And I think, um, you know, I, I started doing the same thing with my friends and family and just like talking to them about Bitcoin or just really anyone who would want to listen or even if they didn't want to listen, I would still talk to them about Bitcoin. So I realized at one point that I think it was far more important to actually just show them uh, than just keep like just beating this dead horse. Like, no, no, like Bitcoin's the future. I swear, like, don't you see the global economy? Like, it's all it's all truth, but people just don't care. They need to experience it. It's like kindergarten. It's not just telling about it. You got to show it, you know, it's show and tell for a reason. It's, it's more stimulating that way. It gets people involved. Um, and so I tried to find ways to start to introduce Bitcoin into, uh, the community and incentivize consumers to spend it and, uh, find the right pitch and incentives for businesses to accept it. And once we created that, then uh, we needed to find a way to spread it. So it's it's also can be used by Bitcoiners as a tool to introduce Bitcoin into their community, much like I did uh, up in up in Redding, California at the time, way up in Northern California. I was a I was an ICU travel nurse, and um, Redding is a very blue collar uh, city. It's about a hundred thousand people, and I was like, if I can do this in Redding, I can do it anywhere. So I started uh, hitting the streets, pounding the pavement, and talking to businesses. I think we got 16 or 18 businesses uh, in Reading in just the span of like, I don't know, a couple of months, just, just myself uh, talking with them. And, and uh, that actually made Reading, California, the, the uh, number one most Bitcoin accepting city in the United States per capita. And so right away I was like, all right, I think I have like the pitch. Like, I think we got something here. So I hopped in my car, I drove to Austin met up with uh, the guys at Pleb Lab, uh, Carr and Kyle and Keon. And I was like, hey, let's, um, they, they had an idea. They're like, hey, I think we have a good place for you to do what you did in Reading uh, right here in Austin. And uh, we went to Rainy Street and uh, I, I onboarded like, I don't know, 13, 14 businesses there in a matter of a couple of weeks. And like you were describing, that was the Bitcoin block party. So we got some sponsors like Choice was one of them. and. Um, and and we just we started introducing about 600 people showed up to that and we're looking to replicate that all over the country one block that's, at a time tiktok yeah. next city block exactly that's awesome stuff and so i i actually grew up in austin and so when i was growing up uh rainy street wasn't a thing but now obviously it's this big old bar district and 
and a lot of cool stuff, a lot of local food and food trucks and things like that. So it's, it's an awesome place. And it seems like it, it's almost like perfect for something along those lines, just because, you know, people coming in and out, a lot of foot traffic, a lot of different places where people can buy and, and uh, sell goods and, and uh, food and beer and what have you. But um, I want to ask you about, you know, you said you're, you're having like a, you know, a good time or, you know, a fairly easy time of bringing people on or bringing businesses on board. But I feel that a lot of, uh, at least in America right now, a lot of people, the, the way they view Bitcoin is more of like as an investment and they're not really, you know, selling it. So how have you kind of, I guess, helped the consumer kind of come around to saying, okay, you know, it's better for the business to spend. Uh, spend your Bitcoin. So why don't you, you know, you know, do that instead of, uh, you know, giving them their fiat? Uh, how how has that a kind of experience gone? Have you, you know, interacted with a lot of consumers that way? Or do you kind of just leave it to the businesses and just have them, you know, put a we accept Bitcoin sign? Yeah, right now, uh, we're still kind of, you could say, like bootstrapping it all and trying to find the right incentives for both parties. Um, some businesses, as you mentioned, do view it like as an investment as well. So they're they're happy to accept it. Um, some of them just like it for the Bitcoin network effect, whether that be uh, more marketing and promotions for their business, uh, building hype around their business, or just saving on processing fees. A lot of them enjoy that. In terms of the the customer, you know, we have to incentivize the customer with Bitcoin rewards or like pay with Bitcoin discount. Um, you know, the, the customer using Oshi, they can use any wallet they want. They don't have to like we're not a wallet, uh, nor are we a payment processor. You can use any payment provider you want as the business. We can plug in with Strike, OpenNode, Ibex, BTC Pay Server, Bitcoin Beach Wallet, uh, whatever you want. We're always looking to add more as well. And, uh, you know, more options for the businesses, but furthermore, more options for the consumers, whatever lightning enabled wallet they want to use, they can use. And so, you know, I, we've always been really far ahead of the curve here. We're definitely uh, ahead of the curve. Uh, we're definitely trailblazing uh, this this area. Uh, it's It's the Wild West of sorts. So, you know. We were we were building this back whenever a five dollar lightning payment like wasn't likely to even go through. So even in some features in the app, we are still like have those uh, handicaps in there almost in a way. Like we could have done different things. We decided not to at the time. But what we what we found and what we were really confident in is the infrastructure and all the development that would be taking place on lightning. Um, so, you know, we have strike now, so you can spend dollars from your checking account effectively and zip it over the lightning network. So you're not even actually having to spend your own Bitcoin whatsoever. Uh, and if that's the case, we can just tell the normie consumer that, Hey, just download the strike wallet and just pay with that. Just down. It's like a Bitcoin Venmo. You just, you just pay with strike. You know, no, are you spending Bitcoin? No, 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 no. You're not spending Bitcoin. You're just paying with Strike. And, you know, I'm hoping that Cash App will also have that feature in the not too distant future, uh, in which case I can talk to just about anybody and they've heard of Cash App. And I can say, you can pay with Cash App. Whenever you pay with Cash App, you're going to get, you know, 10% back in free Bitcoin. Uh, but, you know, so that's more of the like the showing to get people involved, the easier on uh, onboarding and on ramps for the consumers. It gets easier for the businesses. But, um, you know, at, at that point, we, we still do have some, some problems as well, like in, in the education department, we, we still, there's still something that's like, that most people don't realize is every single time you swipe that card, you're just like screwing over your local economy and you're screwing over local businesses and you're actually screwing over yourself because this, this businesses have already increased their, the cost of their items to offset the increasing costs of payment processing fees. So these card issuers are basically saying, oh yeah, you get like 1% or 2% back in rewards, but you're actually paying like three or 4% anyway. So they're just like taking $2 out of your pocket and giving one back. And furthermore, that is wealth that is leaving your local economy and it is going to Wall Street as opposed to staying in Main Street. So over time, I think we'll really start like hammering that message home. Um, but much like most people don't give a shit about Bitcoin in general, it's too much for them to, to stomach at the moment. They also don't really give a shit about that. Um, so I think, again, it's just all about showing and whatever ideological traction you can get over time that will benefit, uh, you know, the community, society at large, the entire world, that'll catch on over time. 
I'm really confident in that. Yeah. And I agree with that point too. And I, and, you know, I, I know that's kind of like a tough question because, you know, you, at the end of the day, you're kind of bootstrapping things, just like you said, you know, you're bringing in a new technology, you're trying to convince people to take, you know, different uh, currency and, uh, you know, transact with Bitcoin, which that's not exactly like a common thing right now, especially in the United States. But, you know, to your point, I think, uh, you know, I live in in Tampa and like I, I mentioned before, I, I grew up in Austin, but there's a lot of local businesses in the in the neighborhood that I live in right now. And in every single one that you go to right now, they have a sign behind like every restaurant that says, you know, we, we've had to raise prices due to inflation. And a lot of them, they have either like chalkboards and it's like we've raised, you know, you could tell they've erased it a couple of times, just a couple of things like that. And it, it just makes me think like, you know, these businesses, they don't want to raise, you know, rates or anything like that. They don't want to do that because they realize like, OK, that's going to, you know, not incentivize as many customers to come in and buy buy and uh, buy their food. And, you know, I just think that it's it could be such much more of like an easy selling point just to be like, hey, you know, you encourage your customers to uh, use Bitcoin you know, that there goes that 3% fee, you don't have to necessarily raise your, uh, you know, your food by 3%. And that that'll save them for there. And that'll kind of help, you know, the consumer as well. Because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you can have kind of like a, you know, a Bitcoin price and a fiat price. And, you know, if you go to a gas station now, or you go to a lot of other places, I think you see that you see cash, debit and credit, like three different prices. So, um, I could definitely see that like kind of catching on. And I think, you know, overall your mission and, and things like that can, can help the small businesses, which have been getting like absolutely crushed right now. So, um, like on that note, have you like, uh, I guess recently, have you kind of seen more of an uptick of small businesses just overall, just being like, you know, kind of excited to try to onboard something like this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of businesses are eager. I mean, there was a recent Deloitte study. I think they they um, they interviewed like 2,000 businesses, and they found that 75% of them planned to accept, you know, a digital currency or cryptocurrency in the next 24 months. <clears throat> like maybe they think that's Dogecoin or some other shitcoin, but the reality it's going to be Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> but but so, I mean. That that's pretty bullish, and and I have um, I have talked with with so many businesses, and they're like I said, they're way more eager than people think. That little Deloitte study just really this really showed that, you know, like I I uh, it, it was anecdotal before, uh, like I'm like yeah, if I can get sit down with these business owners, like I've sounds crazy, but I was sort of on numbers. Like if I can sit down with them, it's like an 80% chance I'm going to get them to start accepting Bitcoin, especially if we're using Oshi as like a tool to, to reward their customers. And maybe they just think of it as loyalty because maybe just accepting it isn't enough. Saving like a few percent or a couple percent on processing fees are like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't know. But if you say, Hey, there's this tool where we can market and promote your business, bring you new customers you haven't ever had and keep the ones you already do have coming back with rewards and loyalty and Bitcoin. Like if you could like imagine if you can give your customer a little sliver of Tesla stock every single time they bought a coffee from your business. And it's like, you know, well, you can't do that because that's illegal. You can't just like dole out securities willy nilly as a small business, but you can give Bitcoin. And like, that's, that's freaking cool. And, and the businesses, uh, they, they like that. I kind of forgot the question. Somebody else said something in the comments too, right? Let me see. Yeah, it was, a, it was, a, you were kind of going on and it was about just like small businesses onboarding it. And so the last question I kind of want to ask you about this is I, I know I've, I've heard you talk about this before, but um, the incentive for Bitcoiners kind of around the country to, uh, you know, go and bring Oshi to their local businesses. Um, I guess not even, not only around the country, but, but globally. Um, so uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that and kind of say like how, you know, the average pleb in, in a different city can help like onboard businesses and how that could benefit them as well. Yeah. So the the general idea here is that the Bitcoin community are some of the most passionate individuals on the face of the earth. Um, they talk about Bitcoin until they're blue in the face for free, uh, even if everyone around them is telling them to shut the hell up. So, you know, we, we're a very passionate bunch and we're always looking for ways uh, to, you know, 
orange pill family friends and we're we're trying to give these people a tool to help orange pill businesses and orange pill their friends and family as well in a different way right through its actual use so what um what we decided to do there is incentivize people so they're already doing it for free so how about we pay them to do it um so you know as as a as a pleb you can go around and start popping the question to local business owners say hey do you accept bitcoin um and you know they're gonna say no and uh but you'd be surprised what sometimes they follow that up with maybe they're like oh we thought about it we just don't know how or they'll immediately tell you like their concerns about it or what have you which kind of gets you a foot in the door to like elaborate and build this like hey you're the bitcoin guy that's coming to the restaurant so anyway if you share your referral link with that business they'll fill it out very very briefly online and then we will reach out to them and we will hold their hand and we will walk them through uh, to find the right Bitcoin payment provider for them. And then we'll also offer them the ability to promote their, their products and services so that you as a customer and the evangelist in this case can now go to this place of business. You can spend your sets, you can get sets back, um, and you'll actually earn 1% out of every single sale that that business makes through the OCA app. Um, furthermore, you can tell your friends and family about this app. You say, hey, I just got this business set up on OSHI. They're giving 10% back on a coffee. Let's all go there. Share your ref link with them. You'll get 1% from your friends and family that buy that coffee on Oshi. And then you'll get another 1% direct from the business. So um, you can stack some serious, some serious sats, but just, you know, let's set a, let's set some expectations here. At the moment, there's very few sales that are taking place in Bitcoin. But this is just a really interesting way. Uh, to introduce businesses to Bitcoin. And, you know, you you might want to onboard some local businesses just in case it catches on, uh, because if it does, I personally think Oshi's going to do really well. And uh, the Bitcoin circular economy is going to be going around. So instead of actually giving that, you know, X percent to Visa and MasterCard, they're giving it right back to you. Not to Wall Street, but to Main Street, we're keeping it local. So that's 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 where that's where it gets cool. <laughs> that's where it's fun. Oh yeah. And that's like a you know, a serious incentive there, right? Because just like you said, like if we all kind of agree or uh, you know, believe that Bitcoin's gonna be the way of the future, like why not do it? And you know, for those listening, I I, I know a lot of people that uh, that listen here. I've gotten a lot of people from like various Bitcoin meetups. I think that's where you should start, right? I think that would be like the easiest place you see, you know, you get a Bitcoin meetup once a week, once a month. This business obviously knows you guys are coming in and saying they're a Bitcoin meetup. Just say, hey, you know, we're here. At, we'll pay here once a week, once a month. Um, we'll use Bitcoin. Like, why don't you guys go ahead and set it up? And, uh, you know, it'll kind of incentivize them. And, and then, you know, it'll kind of be a cool thing. And then, you know, if those people go and eat there or do something like that, you know, more than that one day or one day a month or one day a week that you go, you know, then, then you could start stacking some serious stats from it. So I think, uh, you know, overall, that incentive is great. And so uh, we do have a question in here. I, I do have a lot of Canadian listeners because I've got some friends with the Canadian Bitcoins podcast. They ask, is this is Oshi available in Canada or is it just in the United States? So, I mean, it's it's technically available in Canada. The only thing is uh, currently we do not have like Canadian dollar support on like from the OSHI interface. Um, so we need to fix that. But I mean, right now, I mean, yeah, Canadian business can get on there. It, it would just uh, be shown as U.S. dollars uh, for their product and service, which which isn't what we want right now uh, for them. So but yes, yeah, so. I would I would say you know is it Romel? So you can you can start talking with businesses right now about about this you know and and you can that there are tools available right now like they could use Ibex they could use OpenNode BTC Pay Server there are a lot of tools and there will be more and more tools available to them so they can start accepting it and you know whenever uh, we get around to it we can start providing Canadian dollar support as well so that they can post their their goods and services in, in Canadian dollars and you can uh, discover and purchase from them. So exactly. So all, all soon, you can, TM. 
Yeah. All you Canadians out there, uh, go ahead and start uh, start doing it to force Oshi's hands so they have to uh, start putting things in, in Canadian dollars. And so, uh, right. yeah, I mean, go ahead and get on that. That'd be awesome. But, um, you know, I think uh, part of the show is I think everybody's a Bitcoiner, so I like to get everybody's kind of opinion about the space, how things are going, and bring up some current events and see kind of, uh, you know, the, the real pleb inside of you. So... Um, the first story that I want to talk to you about is uh, Kraken Intelligence uh, reported that the Lightning, the use of the Lightning Network has grown over 150% in a year. Um, so, you know, that's awesome. obviously very, very massive growth. And we've seen, uh, you know, especially in this past year when we've seen Bitcoin down, uh, I think uh, at the time I checked before, uh, you know, coming on the show is down about 37% U.S. dollar value in this past year. So it's interesting to see that not only when it's kind of, uh, I guess, in a downward trend right now, that uh, more businesses are, are kind of coming on board and using the Lightning Network. So what do you think of, I guess, overall the Lightning Network and what it means for Bitcoin uh, as a whole and as like a tra transaction purpose? Uh, are, you, are you pretty bullish on the Lightning Network? And what do you kind of see as advances going forward? Yeah, I mean, I would say so with that Kraken study, I mean, you know, so 150% increase, but I mean, maybe that's just what they were able to see. I mean, there are private channels that are sending back and forth to one another, I'm sure, um, a lot. So I don't know exactly what those metrics are based on. So I, I would, you know, wonder if it's even higher than that. Um, you know, going back about a year ago, I remember there was a there's a company that does a lot of these lightning uh, statistics. I'm totally drawing a blank, but I just so happened to meet with uh, some of the researchers uh, on a bus in El Salvador on the way to Bitcoin Beach. And uh, and they heard that my girlfriend was talking to him and she was like, yeah, we're from Reading. And they were like, Reading? They're like, what happened in Reading? Like we, we saw all this like lightning activity in Reading and we had like no like what the hell happened? It was like, I was hot, you know? And so that was only a year ago. And really that wasn't that many transactions. So just put that into perspective, um, how early we are. I mean, I didn't, they're over here like, yo, what happened there? And it's like, it was just a little, like, I, we didn't do that much. So, so just <laughs> think about that. Uh, so yeah, I could definitely see where we're going that there's going to be a shit ton of usage. It's going to be increasing, and I think it's already higher than than what there's what we can see and, and what we can't. Um, so it'd be interesting. Um, and then the second part of the question was, yeah, where do you kind of see this going? Because you said, you know, right now you see uh, you think it's already bigger than that 150 percent, right? And then we talked about it earlier. 75 percent of businesses are uh, projecting in the next two years, according to that other study, that. Uh, you know, they're going to accept Bitcoin or to a lesser extent, some some crypto in the next two years. So, uh, you know, 150 percent already a massive growth. And, you know, if you kind of, uh, you know, believe or subscribe to the four year cycles, maybe we'll see another boom in the next couple of years after the next halving. Like, do you see, uh, you know, it, it continuing to shoot up? And do you think that, uh, you know, it can kind of keep this pace or even increase this pace of, uh, you know, first gradual than now exponential uh as far as adoption going because of the lightning network oh yeah i think i think it's gonna absolutely explode i i just the, the the technology is like already there to be able to have like a lot more transactions over lightning than we currently do there's a big like knowledge gap whether that's just related to like education or simply like the tools quite aren't quite like up to snuff or the the applications that are helping to like kind of obfuscate this complexity are not really there yet. Um, or there's not enough of them. I think that with strike, you know, continuing to make waves with whenever cash app will turn on maybe strike like features, um, wh whenever that'll be, I mean, the average individual is going to be able to use lightning without even knowing it. And it's not going to be about sending money or receiving money to them in the United States. I guess it's a profound concept in other areas in the world. And, you know, the growth in those areas, I think, is also going to be just exponentially higher in the short term. 
But even the United States, if we can incentivize customers and businesses in the right way, just say, hey, use this thing. And they don't even necessarily have to know what's going on in the background. Um, I think we will see explosive growth way sooner than we think. But it's just really all dependent on who's going to build the tools and whether those are just like simple applications using APIs to connect to the infrastructure and really who's going to make that infrastructure so much better, so much easier to use and actually market it to people in the right way, hopefully in tandem with these applications that are being built. I mean, I'm looking at this right now as, you know, some people think that like in 2017, maybe that was the dot-com boom of Bitcoin. I think that once people realize that the TCP IP is the Bitcoin protocol. I think that we are going to have an insane <laughs> investment and malinvestment and growth and applications that are trying to harness the most value and, you know, make it really easy for people to use. Um, I don't think the Amazon of Bitcoin has been, has been built yet is what I'm saying. So once that happens, I think we will have some explosive growth, mind-bending growth. And, and that's, you know, such as such as the the fallacy of humans. It's difficult to recognize exponential growth. Exactly. And I think, you know, uh, you're, you're nailing it on the head there. I think there's so much development going on with Bitcoin right now. And there's a bunch of brilliant people, you know, and a lot of people with boots on the ground who are just su super dedicated uh, plebs like yourself, you know, trying to build and grow the network. And I think, you know, it's just a matter of time until, you know, it's just it just keeps increasing. And, and there's more and more positive news each week. So I do this podcast every week, I get six stories, and I have to eliminate some stories that I think are, are kind of big, just because, you know, there's so much stuff going on. And it's like, I have never ending amount of content um, each weekend and week out, which is great, obviously, because there's a lot of like, you know, negativity and, and kind of, uh, you know, bearishness when it comes to especially like the price point right now. And that's what, you know, that that's what makes the headlines. But, you know, the real plebs kind of see the off chain news and the fundamentals and things like that. And, uh, you know, I feel like they're diving kind of head first into there. And I think, uh, you know, more and more of this great news and more and more companies like Oshi and, and things like that keep building around Bitcoin. I think it's just inevitable. Um, and I think, uh, you know, this lightning study just kind of shows that, that it's not only, uh, you know, moving at a rapid pace, but it's moving even more and more, uh, you know, in the right direction. So um, on that note, let's move on to the next story. So Binance uh, announced that they're removing fees to purchase Bitcoin, but uh, I will preface this. So although they're removing fees to purchase it, there's still a fee to withdraw Bitcoin off of the platform and put it in cold storage. Um, so, you know, we've had Jack Mahler's uh, founder of Strike always say that it's kind of a race to the bottom as far as fees go um, for all these exchanges with purchasing Bitcoin. Um, so I think it, this is a, a positive as more people are kind of getting on to, to Bitcoin and, you know, exchanges are potentially the first place that they go for the average newbie. But what do you think, I guess, of overall of exchanges first, like kind of coming down and, and bringing those fees to near zero? And uh, I guess the future of uh, purchasing Bitcoin, do you think like there's always going to be room for exchanges or do you think, uh, you know, maybe it's going to kind of move towards something where it's, it's more so like a Bitcoin ATM or, or something along those lines where people are more so buying and selling Bitcoin? Yeah, so I think it's really great that they lowered the Bitcoin buying fees to zero. I think uh, from from what I've heard in, in the past is that you know, a lot of these Bitcoin exchanges, they're they're doing, you know, insane volumes in Bitcoin and they're using the fees they make from Bitcoin, uh, their Bitcoin side of the exchange to subsidize all their shit coins. So, it, you know, that's the theory. Like, I don't know how true it is, but it would make sense for them to, to do that. And so that's very interesting that they are now taking away the fees of Bitcoin. And it's almost like it's going to force the shitcoin side of the exchange to stand on their own two feet and uh you know whenever all of the uh degenerate gamblers <laughs> uh you know are, are no longer getting into the shitcoins and now the 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 fees for bitcoin isn't going to be there the revenues uh there are, or at least not not as high i mean maybe they're 
they're padding it with some other things, but um, that's really interesting to me just on a, on a top down, you know, bird's eye view, someone who's not super in the know about that. But I do think, yeah, I mean, I think the fees are going to get closer and closer to zero and uh, it's going to be good for Bitcoin and bad for shit coins. (laughs) Yeah. And I I think, you know, what's, what's really interesting now too, is you're kind of seeing a lot of these companies that have, you know, exactly like you said, like kind of had their fees or, you know, dabbled in the shit coins, um, you know, quite a bit. And that's what they kind of market. You know, you see the Coinbase's and these other, you know, other exchanges that are kind of, you know, embracing that having massive amounts of layoffs. But you're seeing a lot of these Bitcoin companies and the companies that are focusing on Bitcoin, they're actually hiring right now. Um, and, you know, with kind of the overall macro economy where it's, you know, maybe, uh, an impending recession, or some might say we are in a recession or whatnot. I think that's, you know, just overall a very encouraging sign for Bitcoin as a whole, just showing that, you know, at the end of the day, if you dabble with shit coins, you play that risk of, you know, okay, you get the massive runs up, but you also get the massive runs down. And, you know, people look at Bitcoin as maybe like a volatile asset, but compared to a lot of these shit coins, like that's, you know, like you said, just more like gambling at a casino. And, uh, I think overall for the space, um, you know, it's good that that exchanges are kind of bringing down their fees on Bitcoin. And I think that that trend is going to continue. It's going to be one of those things where if you have fees and and uh, somebody gets into, into Bitcoin, they're going to ask, you know, maybe somebody like you or I who's already in it. Everybody probably has a friend now that that has purchased Bitcoin or gotten into it somehow. They have that uh, maybe Bitcoin friend or something along those lines. And you know, you and I are not going to recommend necessarily a Coinbase. We'd recommend maybe somebody that has a little bit less of a fee and maybe more user friendly and things like that. So um, I think good for the space, but, you know, I still think there's room to come down from it. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder too, um, like, I don't really know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I do wonder if they would just increase the fees as the market recovers um, just increase the fees again. Like, is this uh, an attack on the Bitcoin only exchanges, <laughs> you know, who have been doing things right the whole time. So these uh, big, you know, casinos are um, just using their rug pull money to subsidize uh, zero fees on Bitcoin for now. So weather this out and uh, hopefully get more users to their casino. Um, maybe. I mean, I'm. I guarantee there's there's a there's a strategy there. Obviously, this is a competitive landscape, and and uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens with it all. Yeah, I, I mean, to to that point, I kind of think that um, you know they they won't really. They maybe they'll make it so you purchased Bitcoin on their app and you can trade it with no fees, but withdrawing and taking it into cold storage maybe is a bigger fee, right? So they kind of get you in that trap where it's like hey, maybe it's not worth it to take it off the platform. And that's where you kind of run into some hairy things where it's like, okay, do they really have your Bitcoin? And, you know, we have to tell them, you know, uh, like we're seeing right now, not your keys, not your coins. And so, you know, I I could definitely see something along those lines kind of getting into it where it's like, okay, well, you know, they're going to charge just a massive amount of a withdrawal fee. So you don't see these, uh, you know, these exchanges kind of go under because, you know, at the end of the day, they're they're holding on to your... uh, Bitcoin and and kind of uh, you know charging you out the ass just to take it off the platform. Yeah, that's very true. Um, on one hand, yeah, see that's interesting. Yeah, just because they know that no one's going to withdraw it, <laughs> you know. So but then, but then they would also be kind of sh- you know, how are they going to make their revenues if they don't withdraw? So it's almost this weird thing. It doesn't seem like it's a very good model at all to charge to withdraw whenever you don't anticipate your consumers withdrawing anyway. But if they do, they're going to get charged higher fees, which is kind of counterintuitive to wanting them to withdraw. So it's kind of a weird, weird scenario. There. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a, it's a tough business to be in. And so I don't know if I, it's something I would really want to develop or get into, but you know, Hey, I, I think there's definitely room for it just because like, like I was saying before, I think the average consumer um, you know, at least right now, that's the way that they're going to kind of get exposure to Bitcoin is, is through exchanges. But uh, let's move on to the next story. Uh, so there has been a lot of FUD around Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin mining specifically, where, you know, the, the main FUD that you've heard from a lot of these politicians is that 
uh, Bitcoin mining is not great for the environment. And Bitcoin mining is kind of leading to that, uh, you know, global warming. There's that big ESG narrative. Well, Dennis Porter actually tweeted out that 14 members of Congress uh, of the United States sent a letter to the Environmental Protection a Agency explaining that Bitcoin's proof of work mining actually benefits the environment opposed to the FUD. Uh, so I think that, you know, this 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 is a huge sign that politicians are now, you know, kind of doing that. Uh, uh oh, I think I dropped them, but politicians are kind of doing those uh, that work uh, to essentially, uh, you know, figure out, um, you know, Bitcoin mining as a whole. So they're determining what, uh, you know, Bitcoin mining is. They're determining Bitcoin and they're figuring out and doing the education around Bitcoin to figure out whether or not, you know, Bitcoin mining is actually bad for the environment. And so I think that this is, uh, you know, huge where uh, I think that this is a trend that's going to continue because, you know, we're kind of in a midterm election year and uh, Bitcoin mining, uh, you know, as a whole, I think is, is getting kind of a polarized topic. Um, we're having a lot of states like New York maybe come against it, but then we're also seeing states like Texas and Georgia and like, I think even Illinois are kind of, you know, being for it, giving uh, Bitcoin miners tax breaks, bringing in a lot of jobs. So all in all, all of this rant where I think like kind of Congress and politicians are starting to do educate themselves around Bitcoin mining. And I know you dropped off for a second, so maybe you didn't get the beginning of the story. But essentially, I'm talking about the uh, 14 Congress members that sent a letter to the EPA explaining that Bitcoin's proof of work mining is actually beneficial for um for the environment. So um, what do you think of, uh, I guess, politicians overall seemingly kind of starting to educate themselves around Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining? Yeah, I think um, at the end of the day, just about everything's good for Bitcoin. I, I look at Bitcoin as this incredible Trojan horse uh, technology. Um, do I think that Bitcoin needs like politicians vying for it or, or how, I mean, it'll certainly help in the short term. It's like, do they actually care or, you know, is it's just, that's where it gets weird. So, you know, maybe they have a financial incentive to care or, or, uh, you know, maybe there's lobbying efforts that are taking place that are working, whatever the case may be. Um, it's good that I guess they're, they're standing behind proof of work. Someone needs to, it, it's nice, but at the end of the day, um, I'm still like of the opinion, like, I don't really care what they think because <laughs> I think Bitcoin just wins. I would like to do it in the easiest possible way, though. Like, I don't want them to be kicking and screaming all the way. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's good. It's good. Uh, no complaints over here. But I don't want to like pander. I don't want to be like pandering to like the, the politicians. And now all of a sudden, like this politician is like gung-ho Bitcoin. And now all the other politicians are going to be looking at that individual as like some sort of Senate or congressional expert on Bitcoin. And like, well, they're probably not. So I don't want to, uh, you know, put too much eggs in their basket, you know? Oh, I agree with that point a hundred percent. And I feel like, you know, a lot of these politicians are kind of pandering to get uh, Bitcoiners to vote. They see like, you know, the kind of I don't know. I don't know if I want to call it the cult-like thing on, on Bitcoin Twitter, but almost like, you know, everybody's kind of gung-ho for Bitcoin and, and all that. And I've actually seen, you know, a couple politicians uh, go from like very little followers, then they tweet something about Bitcoin and then their following drastically rises up. And they kind of realize like, hey, this gets me a lot of popularity. Like, why don't I lean into it? Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's a politician's main goal is to get elected, to get in power. And so... Um, you know, I think the big thing for me is to to watch what they do and not necessarily what they say, right? To kind of check their actions, see if, you know, it really kind of aligns with that Bitcoin ethos and, and go from there. But, you know, I, I agree with you there. I, I just generally, I don't really trust politicians just because I, for that point, I think that they're kind of, you know, pandering and, and trying to get those votes. So I'm not necessarily praising all these politicians for doing this, but I definitely think that it's a, a step in the right direction because Bitcoin doesn't need regulation, but I think the companies around Bitcoin are looking for regulation so they don't get hit with something later. They don't start their business 
and start their mining business, get into one thing. And then, you know, three or four years down the road, down the road, they have to completely change their business. And it's something that they're, they're not really prepared for. So I think overall, it's good for, for mining businesses to kind of get this out in front so they can, you know, determine how to go about this. And it's not something that's going to hit them out of nowhere. But I also uh, think, you know, at the end of the day, Bitcoin doesn't need any sort of regulation. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, hey, if, if you're someone out there listening to this, that um, that, that uh, politicians are your heroes, get some help. <laughs> and, and if they are, just know that Bitcoin slays all the heroes. And like politicians are ripe <laughs> to be slain if they're going to keep, you know, jawing about these things. So. Amen to that. Amen to that. So um, from politicians, we're going to Wall Street. So next, ProShares receives approval for the first short Bitcoin ETF. So uh, spot ETF has been kind of on the docket for years, it seemed like. But instead of passing a spot ETF, they passed a Bitcoin short ETF. And so a short ETF essentially allows exposures to the to the Bitcoin asset with a managed short Um I do believe these, uh, I don't think that these products, you know, are, are good for, for long-term adoption just simply because I think like the true power of Bitcoin is being able to you know, really take control of your wealth and, and, you know, take it for yourself. But on the flip side, I also see the point where it's like, okay, you know, maybe on, in some retirement accounts or 401ks or something along those lines, you can hold that, uh, you know, short ETF if you want that in your, uh, you know, retirement account. But I think at the end of the day, you know, uh, overall for adoption, I'm not super bullish on, uh, you know, these ETFs that are getting put out. So what are your opinions on that? Do you think I'm completely wrong about it and you think it's good uh, or are you kind of uh, kind of aligned with with my thoughts here? Yeah, I'm generally aligned with what you said. Uh, my knee jerk reaction is it sounds like a great way to get wrecked. Sounds like a great way for, you know, grandma and grandpa to short Bitcoin and get absolutely wrecked. Um, I just especially like after we've already seen the the the, um, the movements of price. I mean, it could obviously I mean, it could go lower. It could go a lot lower. Um, but <laughs> opening up a short ETF here um, <laughs> it just sounds like a great way to get wrecked. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, trading isn't my thing. Uh, you know, I know very little about kind of that environment, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm not very bullish on that. <laughs> hey, I agree with you 100%. I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's more kind of like a flashy thing. And I think, you know, people who don't really get exposure to Bitcoin, you know, I have a guy or a buddy who's a day trader. And he basically just said like, hey, I purchased this Bitcoin ETF. And I was like, why did you do that? You're getting you know, you're getting charged a fee uh, when you could essentially just purchase it yourself, hold it in cold storage and, and do all that stuff. And he's like, I didn't want to think about all that. I, I don't know how it works. I know how this works. I don't really care. I just wanted to buy it and figure it out later. And so, but, you but know, you have to short it, though. Is it a, is it? Yeah. I mean, so essentially what a short ETF is, is like you buy it and you hold that ETF and uh, somebody is in the background shorting it for you. And so they charge a fee, um, you know, whether it, it gains or loss, they still kind of get their fee. And that's how like an ETF works. So like, you know, for the S&P 500, for example, there's somebody in the background that manages it. You get a piece of those 500 companies. But, you know, although it tracks the market, theoretically, there's still like, you know, a fee behind it. So like Vanguard, if you have one of those, uh, VOO or something along those lines, that's kind of how it works. And so it is managed even though they just kind of hold those stocks, but it's technically managed. Um, the short one is managed as well. It's probably a little bit more active. So I don't know the details on the fee or anything like that, but I would imagine because it's a little bit more active, the fee is a little bit higher um, than your average ETF. And so I, I just overall, I think like ETFs are good for people just kind of first getting into investing overall. Like if you don't know anything about the stock market and individual stocks scare you, S&P 500, great place to start. But, um, you know, I think for Bitcoin, it's like DCA and chill is probably the easiest thing you could do. And there's so many different apps and applications that you could use now to do that. 
I just think like, it's just kind of like a waste of time to even bring, bring this up to somebody who's like a newbie and uh, trying to get into it. I just think like, it's kind of ironic that they're bringing in this short ETF instead of like the Bitcoin spot ETF, which I would feel would be, you know, maybe safer for investors because a spot ETF essentially just tracks the uh, Bitcoin price. Whereas the short ETF is more of like a managed thing. And so maybe, uh, you know, the SEC saw this massive volatility in the downswings and they're like, you know, investors can profit off of that. But I just think like overall, like you said, it's kind of a way to get wrecked. Yeah. So just to be clear, just pardon my ignorance. We are saying that if it's a short ETF and like your friend buys it, he's only making money if the price of Bitcoin goes down. Well, it goes down and up. It's essentially a short you can profit on the volatility, but the person in the background has to basically predict the direction. So, uh, yeah. So it. Oh, I got it. I got it. I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So you can, yeah. got you, got you. You're, you're, so, you're, you're, um, yeah, you're, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Great so, way I mean, to get wrecked. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is interesting. And like, you know, for example, like it's, it Bitcoin has dropped down from like what it was like floating around 28k for a couple months and now it's like floating around 20k so it hasn't really moved like I guess that 8k dip uh you know really got those headlines but for the most part it's been kind of stagnant lately whereas like you know maybe a year or so ago it was more on the upward direction or downward direction it was a little bit more volatile but I think it's kind of like you know leveling out a bit um so right now I don't know if that that initial you know launch would be super successful but you know we'll see how it goes we'll see how uh you know if if investors will really kind of flock to it but i think at the end of the day this is just kind of like you know a headliney kind of thing yeah agreed so we'll know, let's we'll go. know over time <laughs> yeah for sure so let's go into the next topic so uh, I think that this is kind of interesting. Uh, I had Kyle Murphy on the show not too long ago, and he talked about meeting with the University of Texas and pro potentially developing some courses around Bitcoin. But the University of Cincinnati announced that they're launching a full-on curriculum uh, around Bitcoin and crypto to a, a lesser extent. And so I think colleges and big institutions like this are kind of noticing that, you know, Bitcoin businesses are booming and a big thing about going to college is kind of telling your students that, you know, you can go and get a job right away. And so I think, you know, they're kind of start starting to take notes that it's a, it's a big industry. So they need to start having an education program around that. Now, I think there is a lot of, you know, issues with the current uh, education system. And I think that, you know, it needs to be fixed and there's a lot of things that, that are broken with it. But I think that, you know, an education system around Bitcoin uh, is something that's kind of interesting. And I wonder kind of how it's going to be structured, who's going to be teaching it. I wonder if, you know, if they're going to have any like guest people kind of come in and do that. Um, but uh, it's pretty interesting thought. Um, so what are overall like your thoughts of Bitcoin kind of slowly getting into the uh, I guess, le legacy education system and kind of, you know, starting to develop curriculums and courses around it. The Bitcoin Trojan horse strikes again. They wheeled that thing right into universities now <laughs> and it's just sitting there. I mean, again, it's just getting people touches. I found what's really interesting. I've seen like a lot of videos over the years of some, you know, Bitcoin guy going in and like interviewing college students and they have no freaking clue like what's going on with Bitcoin. Uh, there was a recent one that I saw and this isn't going to be like a standard thing, <laughs> but there was one where it was like, oh, would you have a hundred dollars cash or one Bitcoin? She's like, oh, a hundred dollars cash for, I don't trust Bitcoin. He's like, Bitcoin's like, you know, $30,000 or whatever it was. That. And she's like, yeah, I know. But like, I don't, I just want the cash. And it's like, how, like, I, I, I don't think that's a common response. <laughs> maybe he interviewed 50 people before he got that one but like that's crazy um so i i think um i think it's just good to get people these touches but also hey there are uh, a lot of people in college that are like all into crypto and like web3 and nfts and um so the college goes all right well if we want to attract more students i presume like let's make sure that we uh, teach some courses on this stuff 
And so, you know, whether or not these universities believe that Bitcoin and, uh, you know, a cryptographically secure blockchain is the future, I guess it's in their incentive to start teaching those courses to bring in more students. And again, it's like, you know, follow the incentives. Uh, um, I'm kind of just speaking out of my ass here, but it, again, it just seems like a Trojan horse. I mean, whether they actually give a shit about Bitcoin or not, they're teaching the courses now. And, and you know, you have like Base58 and recently like kind of Pleb Lab and Base58 put on, um, it was called BTC++ and it was a Bitcoin developers conference and hackathon. Um, there were quite a few university students that were there. Um, and frankly, you're probably going to get a far, far better education from that conference than you would at any university um, whenever it comes to Bitcoin and Lightning development. So um, it's cool that they're doing it. It'll give people more touches. But ultimately, uh, I would say probably the best way would be to start getting your hands dirty in GitHub, <laughs> going, uh, talking to some of these engineers that are doing it right now and just start contributing, you know? I agree with you there. And I think, you know, you're nailing it on the head where I think I, I agree. It's kind of like a Trojan horse, right? So I think Bitcoin as a whole, like you can just learn it as you go. I, I mean, like you and I, we both didn't take any college courses or anything like that. We didn't get a degree in Bitcoin or, or anything along those lines. And, you know, granted, we're, we're, I, I feel like I'm still learning about Bitcoin and still learning a lot of new things as the days pass. Um and there's a lot of things to learn about it, but I think that Bitcoin kind of opens up a realm to make you curious. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, will a college course work for Bitcoin? I don't know. I think like it's at the end of the day, it's it's about the individual person and their motivations. And I think if a person finds Bitcoin on their own or finds it and is kind of more self-motivated on that, I think that they're, you know, enormously more of a valuable of a Bitcoiner than somebody who maybe just went and got a degree and just, you know, slept through some courses and lectures or took online courses and cheated their way through or did something along those lines. So um, I, I agree. Nobody might does be that. Nobody <laughs> cheats their way through <laughs> online courses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody does that. I definitely didn't do that. Um, so if any of my former college professors are listening to this, that is not me. I didn't do that. I did everything the right way. I never slept in class. I was always in the front of the row and uh, taking diligent notes. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, colleges like as a whole, they, they need, you know, something to change and bring kids back because I think we've also been seeing too a mass movement of, of colleges, uh, you know, they're increasing in price and people are kind of, uh, you know, finding other ways to either get educated or finding other things to do, like whether it's you know, promoting themselves in Bitcoin or, or, you know, finding jobs that, you know, or skills that they learn online and kind of doing a proof of concept opposed to going necessarily to college. And so I think, like you said, this is kind of like a Trojan horse to maybe bring some kids back and uh, get some people to, to come back to college and, and maybe increase those attendance numbers. And maybe prevent like the inevitable short term path of college students becoming socialists until they're maybe like uh, early thirties. <laughs> like let's teach them some Austrian economics and a little self-sovereignty before they, they drink the socialist Kool-Aid <laughs> during college. Cause I know it happened to me. I mean, I, you know, it happened like, yeah, anyway. So, Hey, let's save them. Let's save them before the, before the socialists get to them. Exactly. I mean, it, it's incredible to me too, because like, if you really look back at it, right, like the United States has become a world power because of, you know, the, the capitalists and the, how it's been friendly to entrepreneurs and things like that, right? You have some of the biggest businesses globally in the United States, but at the end of the day, you know, I don't know how it happens, but it seems like on almost every college, there's like these socialist ideas and, you know, people think that we kind of live in this utopia already when it's like, okay, well, you're just like kind of in your college bubble right now unfortunately. So uh, yeah, I, I think like maybe it'll kind of open the eyes uh, to people and it'll kind of like help educate like, hey, you know, this 2% in place inflation thing maybe isn't, uh, you know, maybe doesn't need to be the norm. And maybe, uh, you know, that that taking it out of human control, like eliminates you know, manipulation, power, like all these kind of things where it's like, you know, maybe not everything is uh, peaches and daisies and people are aren't, you know, the greatest people <laughs> ever, yeah. you know. 
how based would these kids coming right out of college be if they weren't like brainwashed and had like their young emotions like driven to like no like everyone's equal and everything's like great and rainbows and unicorns just give us all your money and we'll fix it like how based would people be and how much better off would society be if, if that didn't happen? Because <laughs> that's like the indoctrination protocol like of universities, it seems. Like right? oh, and maybe I'm... it's just the thing about being young too. Like that it's definitely that. But if if they were, you know, steered a different direction, that would be nice. All the years wasted. All the years wasted, like in the twenties and early thirties on this shit. Like ninety-five percent of people to go through that <laughs> oh 100 so i think you know i think there's a lot of things that can be changed and i think you know bringing maybe bitcoin ideology and bitcoin ethos to college campuses could definitely help um and so our last story here so the third largest oil producer in russia and the largest publicly traded oil producer in russia is now partnering with bit river which is a, a company that claims to use the greenest and most, uh, I guess, environmentally friendly energy to mine Bitcoin. Um, and they're utilizing oil and natural gas flare from uh, this oil producer in Russia to mine Bitcoin. And so I kind of already hit on it before where I think like, you know, businesses are going to find ways to cut costs. And, uh, you know, we're seeing it a lot in Texas and in oil mines in the United States where they're using this flare off gas to, uh, you know, kind of capture that energy and use it to mine Bitcoin to because, you know, that's just kind of wasted energy and the lost sunk cost. And instead, you know, why not use that energy to capture and mine Bitcoin? And I think that this is going to be an increasing trend. And uh, I'd love to hear like your thoughts on it, because I know I, I believe you're you're in Texas a lot and you set up, you know, those Bitcoin breakfasts. So you might get a lot of exposure to those uh you know, oil and gas industry down there in Houston. Um, but do you kind of hear like that's the trend where it's like, you know, get on the train or get left behind? Or is there still kind of a lot of legwork leg to be done in like this, uh, you know, oil and natural gas industry as far as it comes to like Bitcoin mining and, and obtaining that flare gas? Yeah, I mean, find the cheapest power. Just something that's that's just <laughs> hot take here. Like, Where's Bit River getting all those miners from Compass? <laughs> all those uh, miners that they had to liquidate, man. Hell yeah! I mean, if I was a if I was some Russian oil and gas company that just got to buy miners for pennies on the dollar, hell yeah! Let's freaking start mining Bitcoin. We just liquidated all these miners from. I mean, I don't know. That's just an interesting uh, uh, thing there because it was Bit River, I think, where those miners were being held or one of their facilities and a compass had to liquidate every one of them. Right. Uh, so for, yeah, I presume pennies on the dollar. So man, yeah. doesn't that sweeten the deal for this company if they're able to get in on that? I did, you know, now that you said like, I didn't even put two and two together. I just kind of saw that it was in Russia and I was like, okay, you know, Russia's already getting kind of, you know, cut out like geopolitically because of, you know, the invasion in Ukraine and, and things like that. And, you know, maybe, you know, s some of these European countries and, and like that, they're trying to cut out, um, you know, obtaining Russia, Russian oil and importing it from Russia. But, you know, that's causing massive amounts of inflation of gas, uh, you know, not only in like the United States and everywhere else, but, you know, globally um, and especially in Europe, it's getting hit really hard. And so I, my thought initially was on, you know, maybe that that Russia's these oil and natural gas companies are trying to just, you know, get a little bit more of their money back uh, because maybe they're not being able to export quite as much. But that's an interesting thought. I didn't even really think about the, the compass miners. And that could be, you know, exactly where they got them from. And it, it, even better for that company. Right. You get it. You get Bitcoin miners for pennies on the dollar or maybe even free where you just see some and then now you're not only uh saving you know or earning money on lost energy um but you're doing it for essentially no cost up front so yeah i mean i i i mean i'm just i say that a little tongue-in-cheek but it is interesting i mean and and how many miners were actually lost in that i have no idea 
I imagine it was, you know, maybe thousands, uh, nothing massive, nothing too massive. I, I doubt, but I have no freaking clue. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah, a few thousand miners for cheap would go a long way, especially S19s. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely would. So interesting stuff. But I definitely think, you know, as far as Bitcoin mining goes, that's kind of, uh, you know, going to be the future. A lot of these companies just finding ways to utilize that lost energy. And so, Michael, thank you so much for your time. Why don't you tell everybody, you know, where they can find you and uh, what all you got going on? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. That's uh, D-O-O-O-W-T-A. Kind of confusing. You can follow us uh, on Twitter as well for the Oshi. It's just at Oshi app. And uh, we also started a podcast focusing specifically on how to onboard small businesses to Bitcoin. It's called the B-Commerce Podcast. So you can check that out too. Um, if, if you're interested, like uh, Romel here in the chat, he's cracking me up. He's over here like, hey, Oshi to Canada. Canada has four ETS. We don't have Oshi in Canadian dollars. All right, man. We're we listen, we're listening here. We're we'll do what we can. We'll do what we can. We'll get it out there. But um, yeah, you can just follow follow along there on Twitter. Uh make sure you go and support your local Bitcoin meetups. Show up. Like, and if you don't have one, it's not an excuse. Make one. What are you? A Bitcoiner or a shitcoiner? Like, come on, make one. Just show up. In Redding, California, it was just me and my girlfriend for a lot of it. <laughs> and then people started trickling in and more and more people started trickling in. Just be the signal, put out the bit signal, start your meetup, participate, get out there, talk to business owners. You know, uh, Texas Slim and the Beef Initiative, right? Get out there, shake your rancher's hand, shake your business owner's hand. Just get out there. <laughs> it's, it's up to us, so. Oh, exactly. A hundred percent. And I think, uh, you know, I'm going to start doing that where I'm going to go to the meetups and, uh, you know, I've been out to, to Tampa and I want to travel around to some, but some of them that are at bars and, and other like local restaurants and things like that, I think, you know, like we, we said it earlier, that's the best place to just onboard the Oshi app right there. And, uh, hell, you know, get 1% back on, on everybody at the meetup trying to, uh, trying to spend their SaaS and everything like that. So keep on stacking, find ways to stack yourself. Um, you know, helping out Oshi not only will help, uh, you know, them as a company, but it'll help Bitcoin adoption. So, and I think that's what all clubs missions are. So, um, you know, Michael, thank you so much for your time, your explanations and, you know, giving us your opinions on, on all these stories. It's great to hear from you and uh, keep, keep on pushing on, man. I, I enjoy your mission and I enjoy following along and I'll do everything I can to help uh, push that forward. Yeah, hey, awesome, man. Yeah, great chat with you. Where did we first meet? Is the Nashville Bitcoin Meetup? Is that yeah, yeah, think, right? Nash Nashville Bitcoin Meetup. I think uh, you went out there and you met my buddy Dan. I don't think I've met you in person just yet. Uh, I went to a Nashville Bitcoin Meetup, but I think you weren't at that one. Um, but Dan, who I started the podcast with initially. He got a new position, so and unfortunately, that company didn't let him uh, continue on this. So um, I'm a solo dolo mission now, but uh, I hope to link up with you soon. I'll be in Austin sometime soon. Like I said, that's where I'm from, so I'm going to come out and and maybe come stay for a week and go to, uh, get get some breakfast tacos or something with you. Hell yeah! Hey, you know, first Thursday of the month, Austin Bitcoin Club. Every Tuesday of the of the week. Bitcoin breakfast and dinner, third Thursday of the month, bit devs. It's like second Wednesday of the month, lit devs, lightning developers. And then they also have a Austin Bitcoin design club too. So just show up and there, there'll be something going on. <laughs> yeah, there's something going on in Austin every week. So awesome stuff. Michael, thank you again. And thank you. That's it for the State of Bitcoin podcast. Thanks for listening. Take it easy, man.